1: Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Sunday Social, your weekly pop culture Sunday brunch podcast. As you might be able to tell, I'm slightly ill. (laughs) I'll try and keep this short and sweet. So, today we are discussing do we still diet? This is something I'm really, really interested in personally because I suffered from disordered eating as a teenager and as kind of a, going into my my like very early 20s, it really affected me negatively. So I bought into the clean eating trend when it was really popular. And I've really noticed that since the beginning of time, we have always dieted. We've just put new names on it. And I think there are new names on dieting in 2018. There's new ways of describing it, new ways of doing it, and I really wanted to explore that. So I have two wonderful guests on today. The first is Megan Jane Crabb, also known as Body Posi Panda. She is a body positive activist on Instagram, she's incredible. So we had a chat all about diet culture, and especially how Instagram impacts diet culture nowadays. I then had a chat with Carly Rowena, who is Carly Rowena (laughs) on her socials she is a fitness instructor completely qualified and also and I only found this out when we sat down and had our chat she actually helps kids with eating disorders very young like teenagers between like 12 and 14 as well as part of her like voluntary work and I spoke to her about dieting and exercising healthily and how you can approach those things with a healthy mindset as I think personally she's one of the most respected like fitness influences in Britain in terms of her attitude and her outlook. So yeah this first interview is with Megan aka Body Posse Panda and I hope you enjoy it.
2: Hi everyone I'm here with Megan also known as Body Posse Panda on the internet. Hi. Would you like to quickly describe what you do because a lot of the time what I know about you or what is publicly kind of public knowledge about mm-hmm. you maybe isn't exactly your job or how you True. define yourself.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah. So I um, I suppose I am an influencer. I don't really like that word, but I suppose that's what I am. And I mainly talk about body positivity, body image, uh, eating disorder recovery, and mental health. Um, I am a writer. I have a book called Body Positive Power. And I should do all kinds of bits and bobs around basically helping people reclaim their bodies and their relationship to food. And movement and all that good stuff. It's great. Trust me. (laughs) I keep seeing your book everywhere as well. (laughs) It's, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's been wild. I, I mean, I'm really, really grateful that it is like doing how it's doing, but I literally wrote it thinking like, if it helps someone, like someone who is where I was when I was a teenager, great. Like that's, that's all you can ask for really.
2: hundred percent. I think it's similar to Chidera's, uh, The Slum Flowers book, Mm -hmm. because that, Again, is like if it helps the teenage me, yes, I've done my job. And mm-hmm. again, it resonates so much more than that and so much more widely because these people, like a lot of us can relate.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's such a good like, barometer. If you're not sure whether something that you're doing is right, is yeah. it going to help the teenage you? Yeah. Like, so simple. Oh, my so effective.
2: Teenage me would be like, wow, Luce, <laughs> you've done a hell of a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we're going to talk about body positivity in relation to dieting. Can I ask you, this might be a personal question, have you ever been on a diet?
0: Yes, but not since I found body positivity. So I um, I actually started dieting when I was around 9, 10 years old, um, and I got hooked really, really, really quickly. So... Mm. I was clued up already because I used to like delve into my mum's magazines and I used to hear all of this weight loss talk from like the the women in my life. Um, And I very quickly figured out that it was not a good thing to have a body that was considered too much in, in any kind of aspect. And by the time I was 10 years old, I thought I was too much in a lot of ways. I thought I was too fat. I thought I was too brown. I thought I was just too much so I started dieting without much clue about what it would do to me mentally or even physically. Uh, and that really, really spiralled for me. And I think dieting was the catalyst of what pushed me into my eating disorder. Obviously, it's not the sole cause because there are so many. There are so many causes of eating disorders. But yeah, dieting, dieting was a big thing in my life. And even after I uh, started my recovery from anorexia, I went back to dieting because... I still believed that I was too much, and that thinness was the way to be happy. Um, and I didn't stop dieting until I found body positivity at 21.
2: Wow, man! So you've done you've done the whole spectrum, though. In that sense, like you've gone from the bare extremes all the way through to actually having a really positive—I hate the word empowering—but empowering relationship with your body, and that's really wonderful. And I want, yeah, I want everyone listening to have an awareness of the fact that a lot of the, the core, like, body positive people mm-hmm. do have a history of having struggled with their weight. It's not like you're born into the world, like, singing and shining and being yourself. Absolutely. There's a lot more to it. Mm-hmm. And, Megan, your big thing is Instagram. Mm-hmm. Instagram is where your, your audience is, and it's where you've grown Kind of your community, I guess. Did you ever use Instagram in other ways as well? Like, did you always follow body positive people? How long? How long ago were you twenty-one? I have no concept <laughs> of like time in terms of Instagram.
0: Well, I am, well, I'm twenty-five now, okay, and cool. um, at at twenty-one, I was using Instagram, and I was using it for the exact opposite of what I do now. So, <laughs> I was just following Fitspo and the celebrities who I thought were the most beautiful, who I wanted to look like, and I would look at my social media, like, every morning to uh, basically motivate myself to keep dieting and to keep Ooh. doing these extreme workouts every single day. Uh, and I had no idea that the opposite side even existed until I just, like, happened to stumble across it one day. Um and I was in disbelief, and I did, not, I did not even want to believe that, like, accepting my body was an option. I was so used to dieting. Like, I just didn't think that there was another choice. Uh, so when someone was on there saying, you don't have to diet, you don't have to hate your body, here's another way, mind mind blown. Just, like, blown.
2: Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. No, I was, I was very similar. I was a very, like, fitspo person mm-hmm. for a little while, especially on Tumblr. I don't know if you ever used Tumblr, but I was, I like oh Tumblr a terrible community in 2010 mm-hmm. like of little girls who want to get much smaller and yes. it's just like
0: god yeah Tumblr's scary. one of the worst for like thin spot isn't it yeah
2: no it was really and like the ridiculous thigh gap mm-hmm. like what even rhetoric I yes. guess like at that point because it was just so obviously like scientifically incorrect that you could develop one yeah
0: but, yeah, yeah yeah
2: oh anyway no I feel you and then how did you kind of put how did you put two and two together in a way because from initially seeing it and I guess almost being repulsed, like body positivity when you're in that space of you need to punish your body because mm-hmm. it's not right, yeah. it's not enough. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, how did you get to where you are
3: now?
0: I um, so when I, when I found this body positive community for the first time, I was coming off of the back of another extreme diet and I had actually hit the goal weight Uh, And this was the way that, yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness. The the way I thought was going to make everything perfect, right? Like as as we do. Um, And I remember hitting it and just obviously still not being happy (laughs) and obviously still hating my body. Um, (laughs) So I think finding body positivity at that moment started to make things click in my brain of um, this is never going to make me happy. If I am not there now... When will it be enough? It it will never be enough. And I just kind of had that light bulb moment of, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. Like, I do not want to punish my body and diet and be hungry for the rest of my life if it's not making me happy. Uh, So that was it. That was it for me. That was the, like, leap of, well, I might as well try something different then.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh, my God, that's so good. (laughs) Um, Do you find this is a bit of a tangent I guess but like do you how much do you know about your audience on Instagram like do they message you a lot do they yeah I, yes. <laughs> I imagine they might send a lot of messages because mm-hmm. that's when you're that kind of figure to someone they, they feel very connected to you mm. um, do you find from their personal stories that they've also struggled with similar things and potentially more recently as well
0: yeah I think um I mean, I think it's a huge range of people who are drawn to body positivity. So, I, mm. you know, I have the, the people who are currently struggling with needle disorder and not in recovery, the people who are in recovery, the people who've been in recovery for 10 years. And, you know, I get messages from teenage girls and equally from women in their 50s and 60s who are saying, you know, I've been battling my body for my whole life. Why didn't I find this sooner? Um, yeah, and they do they do tell me their stories, which... Obviously, it's, like, it's a very humbling thing that someone thinks that they can talk to you in that way. But equally, I'm sure you have, some, you have experience of this as well. It's almost like they, they don't truly know you, but they turn you into what they need. Yes. So you yes. are a figure. You are this, not thing, but you, know, you, you yeah. are what they need you to be, um, which is in a way wonderful and in a way quite wearing sometimes.
2: Yeah, I had a um, post-alcohol video. <laughs> if anyone knows me from my YouTube videos, which I assume everyone does, there's like, I feel like there's my content pre-alcohol video and post-alcohol video.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, yeah, post-alcohol video, I had to make a blanket rule of not responding to any messages again, yeah. pretty much, that were personal because it's just exhausting. It is. To open your inbox and have 100 messages about someone else's struggle or their parents' struggle with drinking. and And like, I wasn't an expert. Mm -hmm. You know, I wasn't a counsellor. The best I could do is send people to Samaritans and hope for the best.
0: Yeah, and this is the thing, and that, putting up that boundary, like, that doesn't mean you don't care or that you don't want to help, but you have to protect yourself. Exactly, and I was trying to get
2: sober at the time. Mm -hmm. So it's the same with you, like, you're protecting your own recovery. Yeah. Because, like, disordered eating especially, that doesn't go very fast.
0: (laughs) It does. I mean, it doesn't. I I personally am someone who believes in recovered, uh, a lot of people don't and I think that that is like completely valid whatever you believe for you but equally even even if like even if those things don't like jeopardize my recovery they they still affect me mentally like absolutely and we gotta be careful of our like mental resources
2: 100 percent. you're giving a lot already when you're on the internet and as a public figure mm-hmm. yeah same, same to
0: you babe same to
2: you <laughs> oh my god <laughs> right let's chat about dieting in general Mm -hmm. um do you mind talking about naming specific diets not in your own life but just in general
0: oh uh, drag them yeah (laughs) drag them all
2: because for me like what i think is really interesting is i've noticed that whilst we've maybe moved away slightly from the slimming world and weight Watchers and atkins and low gi whatever Mm -hmm. you know that those kind of diets we've moved towards other things. I'm going to specifically right now talk about clean eating because whilst that's finally died out a bit, Mm -hmm. 2014 was a dark time.
0: (laughs) It was. It was. What do you you think is like the one, the big one now?
2: So I think now a lot of it's detoxing and a lot of it's like the Kim K appetite suppressant lollies. We get that. And a lot of it in general is unintentional fitspo and like, and maybe even, and I'm going to say this with a huge pinch of salt because I know many very healthy vegans But there is a level of Mm -hmm. um, this kind of glamorized online veganism that isn't really that accurate to to the realities of being a vegan, Mm -hmm. as far as I'm aware. Yeah. Um, I live with two vegans. They're great. (laughs) (laughs) But it's this kind of glamorized tiny girl in bikini veganism that uh, pushes people to to adopt that lifestyle.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I think especially... You, you also see a lot of that from people coming out of the eating disorder recovery community and sliding straight into, like, really? militant veganism. And, you know, in, it, you've got to be so, so careful if you're recovering from a restrictive eating disorder that you're not just finding new ways to restrict. 100%. Yeah.
2: Yeah. but So that's kind of the trend I've noticed, mm-hmm. is this kind of move away from the word diet. Would you say we still diet?
0: Absolutely. I mean, this... um this move away from diet, let's not get it twisted. This is a very carefully crafted message and method of the diet industry. And this has been happening for decades. Like the, the, so the first like big push away from calling diets diets happened in the nineties. Um, yeah. And that was when uh, more research was coming out about how dieting doesn't actually work long-term and, people regain the weight. And there's so much evidence, there's so much research about that. And it was just coming out around that time. So this was when all the big diet industry companies started calling themselves a lifestyle change. And that was specifically so that they were no longer thought of as diets because people knew diets didn't work. Uh, And basically every, I don't know, I would say like every five years or maybe every decade, they kind of try and revamp themselves To fool people some more? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now, um, I mean, they are, they're still calling themselves lifestyle changes. Obviously, the (laughs) the big one in recent news has been Weight Watchers changing its name. Has it? It has officially, I'm not sure in this country, but in the US, it has officially changed its name to Wellness That Works. Yeah.
2: (laughs) But that's, but it's all based on like sugary substitute. That doesn't make it, oh, that annoys me. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: And it's and it's numbers. I think I first first off, like before we go any further, I um I wanna clarify that if anyone is listening to this who is currently dieting trying to lose weight or on Weight Watchers, I don't want you to feel like you're a shitty person because you are not. You are surviving the best way you know how in this fucked up culture that teaches us like weight loss is everything. So we are not critiquing you, we are critiquing the bigger culture. Yeah, so um they, they will do somersaults and jump over backwards to uh, not be called a diet. But ultimately, if they are prescribing a restricted form of eating for the purpose of losing weight, it's a diet. And if you want to pursue wellness, that is your call, that is your prerogative. You could do that. But it doesn't have to be centered around numbers. That's the thing. Like It doesn't have to be about goal weights and point counts or calorie counts, whatever it is. It can be about... Things that make your body feel good and feel energized and not necessarily look different. Uh, so yeah, I mean they're not they're not fooling me. I don't think that, I don't think they're going to fool many people to be I honest. Wouldn't
2: you be surprised? Mm. I think as well, like a Weight Watchers target audience are people who don't care about the name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like um, what was I going to say? I had oh yeah, you literally brought up a phrase that I completely forgot existed. But this is the this is kind of the diet culture and exactly what you just said. And I'm just going to repeat it wellness wellness is being completely repurposed and i feel like i feel like the phrase wellness came from something spiritual Mm. like a while ago i feel like it it has been repurposed and reformulated into into books and into magic of tidying up and whatever to create a new sellable commodified wellness but i don't know and i should do some research on this so no
0: i mean i think you got a point i think um I think wellness in general has to include mental health. I yes. mean, maybe that's a wild idea, but like, <laughs> stop I stop I, it,
2: Megan. You're so <laughs> radical.
0: And I feel like any anything that is is making you feel guilty or teaching you that you have to like keep very very careful track of the amount of olive oil you eat, like that's not really prioritizing your mental health, really.
2: Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think as well, we. Think there is some kind of holy diet secret mm-hmm. and that's still perpetuated like i get i get ads on instagram even or on youtube being like these like big bulked up men like oh you need this one secret to shed all this weight um and it's like then it's like cuts to a shot of a guy with a bit of a stomach like, Ooh. <laughs> I'm like what is going on yeah um yeah but we're sold this idea that there's a secret but no nutritionist even agrees on what is in inverted commas like going to help you be well or help you be healthy. Yeah. So I'm not quite sure why we invest in a golden secret ideal still. at least uh, according to the ads I get on stuff, I'm still investing in a golden secret that Mm -hmm. doesn't exist.
0: Yeah, I think we all are. And I think what is, um, I mean, for me, what was always the most alluring and like the most tempting thing about dieting is that it really sells us this idea that it will solve everything in your life and, it's not just that you will be thin, it's that you will be the version of yourself that you've always wanted to be. You know, people will fall at your feet, you'll have opportunities, you'll go on adventures. Um, I I really believed that when I was thin, I would be a completely different person, just the opposite of who I actually am. Wow. Um, which obviously was never going to happen, but that's what diet culture sells us, uh, like, over and over again with every, like every makeover show where they suddenly get everything they've ever wanted at the end, every weight loss transformation story in a magazine or online. It's not selling us just in this. It's selling us the dream.
2: It's selling us control as well. A lot mm-hmm. of the time there's, a, I am disciplined. I have willpower. I think there's a whole load of pressure in society. Maybe this is also connected to, are we dieting? We might not be, but we now have this really big pressure to be busy all the time mm-hmm. and be like really, really tough on ourselves. I think to yeah. compete in a really busy world. And part of that is, can I get to the gym at 6 a.m.? Like, can I say I'm doing that every day and have that strength in me to, like, off, on a hangover, go and still eat healthy? And and that kind of the willpower message, I think, comes across a lot in body transformation stories still. Yes. They are
0: everywhere, actually, on Instagram, they the body are. transformation stuff. They still are. That's, that's, such a, that is, that's such a good point you just made. That's such a good point because it's... Um, yeah, it's, it's who can force their bodies to conform. Like, who can, like, fight against 100%. what they naturally are to, like, become this vision of strength yeah. and control. It is.
2: We just associate it all as well with, like, laziness. And it's like, mm-hmm. our bodies are just our bodies. Like, yeah. we're probably putting a lot of energy into a lot of other things. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think when I realised that I did not have the mental energy to put lots of effort into my into my at least like diet and exercise like I kind of do what I want and that's fine but there was a really long time where I my eating was questionable and I was in this world where I was like it's about me being bad I Mm -hmm. think and not being and being lazy and being and it fulfilled all of those issues that I had was like Mm -hmm. oh why don't I just eat a certain way and like I'm proving to myself oh you are you do have willpower really yeah you do have this thing but obviously you don't get any more fulfilled from it.
0: No, and that's, that's the big secret. And that's what it's so hard to get people to believe that when they're in it. Oh, because, 100%.
2: You're blinded. Yeah,
0: and we, we pin our entire lives on it. Like, mm-hmm. we pin everything on when I've, when I've lost the weight. And, you know, I've done it to the extent before that I've literally quit jobs so I could focus on losing weight because oh that was, like, goodness. the only goal that matters. Wow.
2: Yeah. yeah, it must be weird looking back on that and... Do you feel like a different person to that? This is just a personal question. Like, do you ever look back on yourself and feel like, wow, I was almost unrecognizably me? Yeah. Or do you still see it as like a really, a long process of self?
0: I think, um, I think it's a, it is a long process. And I think for me, what removing dieting and body obsession and food obsession, what removing that from my life did was not instantly transform me into a different person, but create space for me to become who I was supposed to be. Because I really think, you know, for those of us who have spent, like, a lifetime chasing the gold body and investing all of our energy and time and efforts into changing our bodies, I think that there's a version of us who we would have become if we hadn't have gone down that road, if if we'd been allowed the kind of the freedom to, like, develop more interests and follow things besides weight loss or stay in your job like <laughs> yes all that's that a really
2: big thing all that
0: so yeah I think that is like a process of becoming that I'm, I'm still doing like I'm definitely still like filling in that space um and it's hard and it is long but it's it's a lot more exciting and fulfilling than trying to fill that space with changing my body
2: 100%? Yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> like, um, I wanted to quickly, like, you're, you probably know facts like this 100% through and through already, but I read recently that it's something like only, oh, let me see if I can phrase it right, it's like only 25% of people who are obese or overweight maybe, no, I think it's obese, have actual correlating health problems. Mm-hmm. That are, they aren't healthy in inverted commas it's like 25 percent of this obviously a huge group in society that we demonize for weighing more than our picture perfect ideals of what a human should weigh and I, I've been reading a lot more about that recently and how weight and health really is not correlated at all mm-hmm. and I just want to kind of talk about that a bit for anyone that finds this and is like but people just need to lose the weight because yeah, it's yeah. a health thing.
0: Yes, that will be um, that'll probably be a lot of people because that is that is people's initial reaction, and that's what we've been conditioned to believe that yeah. you know dieting is the solution to the problem of fatness, um, and I am. Um, I, I use the word fat. I don't. I don't use the word obese because it's a very loaded term. Yeah, um, actually, yeah. It's, it's, well,
2: it's BMI scales, yes. isn't it? Yes, like, and it's
0: like it's the it's the medical term which instantly implies like health complications. So I use fat neutrally. You know, some people are fat, some people are tall. Yeah, yeah. it's it's kind of the same thing for me. Um, and I would say that there is so 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 much evidence about the fact that health is so much more than size um a great book is health at every size by linda bacon i'm considering ordering it it's on my amazon fantastic list. <laughs> book like so much literally you can't argue with the research like so much research um and yeah we truly we've been like duped we've been utterly duped into thinking that fatness is the worst thing that we can possibly be and that any amount of fatness on our bodies is unhealthy when in so many cases that's just not true for for many many reasons um but it is possible to prioritise your health in ways that don't focus on how you look. You know, there are <laughs> there are fat people who are healthy, just the same as we all have that one thin friend who eats nothing but junk food yeah. and smokes and drinks and doesn't exercise. Yeah. But, you know, that person doesn't get harassed because everyone assumes they're fine.
2: I had a friend who's a kickboxing instructor, and her doctor made her bring in proof because he could not believe that she was the way she was in a kickboxing instructor.
0: Yeah, and that happens. It makes you sick, doesn't it? That happens every day. Like, the amount of fat people who literally avoid going to the doctors because no matter what they go in for, they will be told to lose weight. And there are like testimony after testimony of this online. Like, you go in for an ear infection, you get told to lose weight. You go in for an insect bite, you get told to lose weight. Like, it's so bad. Yeah. And even, it's not just the fact that that's like a humiliating experience, but actual medical issues get missed all the time when doctors can only see weight, um, and there's, there's stories of this, of, of serious, serious illnesses just being ignored, and then they go beyond the point of treatment. There was literally a woman a couple of months ago who, uh, who wrote in her obituary that if the doctors had actually treated her symptoms and not her weight, they could have saved her, and she used her obituary to say, fat women, fight for yourselves, like, fight for your right to be treated with respect at the doctors. And that just says it all, really.
2: Yeah, it really, really does. God. Oh, right. Moving <laughs> slightly on. Um, obviously, part of the Instagram problem with, with let's say, our, our perception of health and diet and how that influences it is influencers themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel about the fact that there are influencers... Pushing people in like maybe a less mentally healthy direction when it comes to dieting mm-hmm. and weight, and do you do anything to like? Well, obviously your whole channel, your whole channel, your whole like platform is combating it.
1: Yeah,
2: but like I don't know, just
0: chat about it because
2: I <laughs> I see I rarely see that kind of thing now, mm. but it definitely still exists.
0: Yeah, it absolutely does, and I think there's even there's there's lots of influencers who actually call themselves body positive while still selling people detox teas and you know unattainable body transformation plans etc cetera, etc cetera. um and it's a difficult one because if you'd have asked me that like a year ago or two years ago i would have like launched straight at these people called them dickheads, like really got into it yeah and now i'm like it's very very sad yeah and it's a shame but it's also what they've been conditioned to believe is right.
2: Yeah, it's societal, isn't it, a lot yeah. of the time.
0: Yeah, so I think there's a difference of, um, like, calling someone in. I think if if you get the chance to give someone, like, some resources and make them question what they're doing in a kind of nicer way yeah. than just dragging them to hell and back, um, I, that is something that is important. And I've done the dragging before. Like, I have written the the indirect posts and and all of that and nothing good comes of it yeah. nothing good comes of it because the people don't change you get painted as the bad guy it's not worth it um so now when i see that stuff well i encourage people to not follow it first of all um i'm very like generous with my block button
2: still <laughs> yeah. like to this I day. Think- the healthiest people on the internet are very generous with their blockbusters. Yes. <laughs> I would argue from the people I've spoken to.
0: Yeah. What, 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 what's your reaction to when you see people doing bullshit things?
2: Um, I often don't comment on it because I think, I think that either someone's commenting on it and I don't need to step in. Mm. I've, I've told myself 2018 is the year of not running my mouth <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> like I definitely have to kind of pace myself and be like, okay, is this worth? drawing making a big scene out of mm-hmm. um but then there's also i really do believe in karma and i believe that in and like or i see it happen at least yeah if you are promoting really bad things to people you'll something happens usually where where it falls down
0: yeah you know? yeah and i think um <clears throat> I think there's a difference as well between uh, calling out brands and calling out individuals. Oh,
2: 100% as well, yeah. And as you said, like you've got to feel for these people because a lot of them don't know... Don't, they haven't... Yeah, that it's, it's a combination of all of their upbringing, their life, their own insecurities. Yeah, to directly attack someone, you are
0: directly attacking a lot of their insecurities. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And if you if you can reach them another way, that's great. I mean, don't get me wrong, I will still drag a Kardashian... <laughs> Because they're not like I'm not going to be able to slide into their DMs and be like, babe, babe. I just
2: don't understand. With the Kim and the lollipop, I'm a big Kardashian fan. Okay, like I really like them, but with the Kim and the lollipop, the thing that fucks me off the most about it is that I'm like, how on earth do you think promoting that lollipop is is worth it financially? Mm. Because you earn so much money anyway yeah you would never do an instagram spawn again
0: but can you even imagine how much she got paid probably but like
2: Ugh. i can't ever imagine it being worth it especially having daughters that you never want to think that way about themselves or to starve themselves like yeah i think that's what i was really really surprised about i was like how how is there enough financial incentive in the whole world when you're already a millionaire yeah to do that whereas i can un- i get it if you're a smaller mm-hmm. creator. Sometimes you take terrible, terrible things to be able to pay your rent.
0: Yeah. No, I think you're right. And I like the the comment on that post of hers that stood out the most to me was um, would you feel comfortable giving one of these to your children if they said they were hungry? Because that's what you're telling girl young girls and and women and people everywhere to do. A lot of the
2: time as well, you're telling eleven year olds, twelve year olds, Mm thirteen year olds. I think that's what we we forget is like our audience or Yeah, in general, on the internet, your audience is a bit younger than you think they are. Mm -hmm. Um, I always say I'm, like, 18 to 24, but I get girls doing their GCSEs or, like, kind of pre-GCSE coming up to me a lot. I'm sure you, as you were saying, you get everything. (laughs) You get all, um, and I guess, as well, all genders as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And specifically with that, like, there's... It's such a different experience depending on your gender because, you know, women and girls... That's, you know, what I've experienced and I, I can speak to that from a personal perspective. But then for men, it's, you know, this thing of they have body image issues. They're also told they can't talk about it because yeah, it's yeah. not masculine.
2: 100%. I wasn't aware men have body image issues until I started dating men. Yeah. Like I literally didn't know.
0: Yeah, yeah. They just, it's so swept under the rug. And and then again, for people who are outside the gender binary, that's a completely different experience of existing in your body equally being told that your body is not right, but in a very different way, so 100%. it's like it's like we need we need more influencers yeah. who can talk about these things from a place of actual experience. Yeah,
2: and people yeah. as well who struggle with ableism mm-hmm. as well. Like, um, is the word disabled politically incorrect now? I don't know. No,
0: I think. Um, well, it, you'd you'd have to consult the yeah. individual, <laughs> but yeah. a lot of people I know from the disabled community have uh, reclaimed it. Okay,
2: well. Let me know, (laughs) people who are listening to this podcast. But like, disability as well plays a lot into uh, like body image issues, I'd imagine, as well, because you you're not the norm in one way or another.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you're
2: not being represented anywhere.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, So all those people, I guess, all find body positivity, and hopefully there's enough spaces for everyone as well. Like there's always space, Mm -hmm. but in terms of like, I always felt guilty. This is such a different thing, but being white. And then meeting loads of non-white audience members, and like especially when I was starting out, and being like, "Fuck, I am one of the only people you relate to."
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Where's people that you relate to more? Like, I can't give you a lot of what would really help. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I remember feeling like really odd about that.
0: Well, I think this is um, this is this is talked about now quite a lot in the community, but this is one of the biggest. Uh, drawbacks of the fact that body positivity has become more popular in that in a lot of ways it's still just mimicking the kind of hierarchy that society gives us
2: yeah 100% like
0: I I am fully aware that I am where I am in this community because to a lot of people I'm still like not pushing the boundary too far you know I'm, I'm a size 16 I'm mixed race but I'm light skinned I'm able bodied I'm young so I'm pretty
2: privileged as well it sounds mm-hmm. silly but when I spoke to Chidera she was like you're pretty, I'm pretty, we follow each other because we like the way we look as well. Yes,
0: that is still and very much a thing. It is a thing, yeah. yeah. And that is what that is what makes it harder for space to be carved out for people who are more marginalised yeah. and people who don't have the same privileges but need to have a voice in this conversation. Um, and it's, it's like, that's a huge wider issue. And it's, again, it's not about like pointing fingers at individual people and being like, get out. Um, but it's about recognising that and those of us who are in these positions talking about it, talking about privilege and saying, if you're following me, follow these guys too because they deserve to be heard.
2: 100%, especially with the the OG body positivity, people like, I'm sure probably everyone who's listening to this knows this, but body positivity wasn't a mainstream movement. It was fat black women mm-hmm. who were like, we're going to take the space back, right?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, it was... I think most people would consider that body positivity originated in the 60s and 70s in the US. Um, There were a group called the Fat Underground and they were predominantly fat, queer women of colour. And they would do things like storm Weight Watchers meetings and like demand to be told why these people were given a diet that didn't work. And they would like get out the evidence. They would hold like sit-ins. They would do like sing-alongs. So, yeah, it, it its roots are so radical, Yeah. are so, so radical. And that obviously, like, whenever a movement gets popular, it gets watered down and down and down and down so the masses can enjoy it, so it's, like, palatable for them. Um, yeah, so it's so important that we know where it's come from and that we are still being respectful towards that.
2: 100%. And that's probably where most of the frustration is all with, like, like skinny white women <laughs> co-opting the name of it. Yeah. yeah, where that becomes most frustrating because it's like they just
0: don't know.
2: Yeah. And like it would be great if they'd educated themselves before co-opting the name.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think... Yeah, I mean, I th- you... It's so important that, that people do educate themselves before they step in as like an ambassador for something of any kind. 100%. But also I think the big issue now is that people use body positivity interchangeably with body image, and they are obviously not the same because you know, these, um, let's say a, a thin white woman who does like fitspo stuff and who starts talking about body positivity, she probably has body image issues. And like every single person's body image issues are valid, doesn't matter what size you are, doesn't matter any other kind of body privilege you have, you can still struggle internally. But body positivity is so much more than one person's personal feelings towards their body because it's about all bodies.
2: It's a movement.
0: Yeah, so I think it's that's, that, that's the problem. We're not getting that clarification of this is just about me and my body versus this is about fighting for all bodies.
2: Yeah, 100%. Oh. Right, final thing I want to talk <laughs> about is... I don't know if we will really have much to say on this, but something I've noticed increasingly as a conversation specifically on twitter actually is about women who claim to be fitspo Mm -hmm. or or not even that just influencers in general who sell a diet or sell a lifestyle but they've actually had a lot of surgery Mm. and like do you see this coming do you see like a blurring of lines ever with people who message you potentially or people in your audience between this like oh i want to be really positive in my body or i want to be thick double C and like this. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I just see this stuff and find it really interesting because this was never a thing growing up for us. I don't think that
0: the thick thing, the thick thing. Yeah. Mm. It's just not
2: a thing for us. Um, Yeah. Obviously from where I'm from and being white, it definitely wasn't a thing, (laughs) but it's this like, like there's lots of, lots of influencers have a lot of surgery and yet they're selling this ideal. Yes.
0: I think um, it's just, it's just another shift. Uh, like if you, if you look back in throughout history, throughout the last 100 years, this is something that I really looked into for the book. There has been a different body ideal every single decade. Um, really? Yeah. So it, like back in like 1890, that was the last time that being fat was fashionable. Um, and it was a very plump but corseted ideal. Yeah. Then you move on to the Gibson girl who was slender but athletic. The flapper obviously was the first like big thinness trend. Then you've had the Marilyn's and you've had the Twiggies, you've had the Kate Mosses. We're now in the Kardashian era, yeah, where yeah. it is slim but thick, of course, only ever in the right places. And I think what we're seeing now is just that body ideal taken to its extreme. And that's what body ideals do, because basically the diet industry never wants you to achieve it. They want to sell you it. They want to make you believe you can become it. But if you get near it, they'll make it even harder to obtain. And what we're seeing now is that it's only the people who first of all can afford surgery can dedicate so much of their time to like maintaining this physique. They are the only people who can actually achieve it. And yet they're selling it to all of us as if if we just work hard enough, like we'll get it too. Um, And that's how it works. That's how the trick works. And I think soon enough, once we've all spent a decade trying to get a thick double C, it will change again.
2: Yeah, 100%. And, like, also, a lot of the time surgery isn't disclosed. Mm-hmm. And, like, I um, saw this was a really scary video the other day of um, one of these influencers. I don't know her name, um, and I obviously wouldn't name her anyway. But um, she's being wheeled along in a wheelchair in hospital. She's like, guys, never get a butt lift, never get a butt lift. No one knew she had one. But obviously, it went wrong, mm. um, and she's in hospital for it. And she's like, "I'm scared for my life. I'm scared for my life." That's like terrifying. fucking Snapchatting herself.
0: Oh, that's so scary. And I think that we we're not being told the truth about any any kind of cosmetic surgery, like the way we even the way we refer to it as plastic surgery it makes it seem just like trivial but it's not plastic it is human flesh like it is working functioning parts of our body that we're cutting into yeah. to change and again like it's not if you've ever feel like you needed to do this that's actually that's not your fault if you're listening and you've you've had cosmetic surgery you're not the bad guy here yeah it's personal
2: choice isn't it it's just like it's quite scary a trend where yes. nothing's being disclosed. Mm-hmm. Or and I have so much respect for the women that do disclose their surgery and their big influences, especially like fashion influences and beauty influences, because it means that you you're like, Oh, okay, I get it. You mm-hmm. know? It's like clarity for your audience.
0: Yeah, yeah. But you know, like where does it end? Yeah, no, totally. Where I'm... does it end? It's yeah, it's scary. It's scary and we're all just doing the best we fucking can to try and like survive in it. Yeah. But good lord, I'm so, like a, yeah. not to end on a negative note. But I'm scared <laughs> for the future, like genuinely. Oh my goodness!
2: Um, but in happier <laughs> stuff, Megan does an incredible job at doing body positive commentary and posts, and I love your socials. I just think they're great. Thanks, babe. And hopefully, doing a tour soon if everything goes well. In my in my brain, it's going to happen. So.
0: Fingers crossed. Yes. And where can
2: where can we find you on socials?
0: Uh, so mainly just Body Pussy panda on pretty much everything, except on Twitter. There's an underscore because some bastard took the name.
2: Wow, <laughs> that's impressive. Do you ever see you usernames? You're like, how on earth did you get there before me? Mine's so weird.
0: Yes, I think yeah, this is because I hate Twitter and I didn't get Twitter for like years after Instagram.
2: I mean, you're not missing out.
0: No, <laughs> such a vile place.
2: Such yeah. a vile place. <laughs> anyway,
0: thank you so much for joining <laughs> me, Megan. No, thank
1: you. It's been great. It was so lovely talking to Megan. I love speaking to someone who is so insightful and doesn't choose to blame other people for the way that they interpret diet culture. I find that super refreshing. And now, let's move on to my chat with Carly, where we kind of discuss how you can approach, let's say, diet and improving your mental well-being and wellness in a more healthy way. Hello and welcome back to the Sunday Social. I am
2: here
3: today with Carly Rowena. Hello. I'm so excited to be here. And actually having a water and a cuppa is just really nice. <laughs> yeah, it is,
2: isn't it? Carly's come all the way from Norwich today. Yeah.
3: Wait, can I say where you live? Yeah. Is that fine? Okay. Yeah, yeah. No one's going to find me because Norwich is in the middle of nowhere, so you're all good. There are so many people who are influences in Norwich, aren't there? Yeah, I think Norwich is lovely and it's super safe, but actually there isn't that much. I feel like if you want to kind of be creative, you're a bit stuck, so you go to London. So I feel like everyone kind of went online. Yeah. And then they left me and then they went to London, but I've stayed there. <laughs> yeah. No, it's wonderful. Um, anyway, today we're
2: talking about do we still diet? Because and I tried to give some context to Carly earlier because um when I was younger, my mum just dieted a lot, I'm sure she won't mind me saying that. It was just like a thing that people did. And I always thought like, Oh, but it's kinda of gone out of fashion now. However, does dieting manifest in different ways? What enables it? How can we be more conscious as consumers to not buy into it. Um, So Carly
3: quickly explain who you are and what you do. Oh this is like my Tinder profile. Okay if I wasn't married this would be what I would say. Um, So my name is Carly Rowena and I am a personal trainer and online fitness blogger. Um, I train clients one-to-one but I also do retreats around the world which is probably my favourite thing. Um, We just did Kilimanjaro and we have Peru coming up so I love doing that. so Um, cool. (laughs) Oh it was just amazing. You learn a lot about each other when you're kind of Climbing a mountain without toilets. That's, yep, you learn a lot. You get close and cozy. Um, and I also have, yeah, my YouTube channel, which I love, which is kind of talking about lots of different things, blogs. But I also work with children in America um, who are struggling with eating disorders. Um, And I teach events everywhere where people get to work out with me. And I'm also pregnant. I should probably (laughs) put that in there. In case you get a weird baby gurgle happen. I mean, if someone (laughs) met you off of Tinder and then they were like, (laughs) (laughs) I think I'll skip her, swipe past me. Um, But yeah, that's me. And I am loving, loving life and really honored to be on here. It's good to have a little chat.
2: Yeah, thank you so much for coming down. Yeah, you're down in my. We're in my kitchen right now, um, and you can probably hear the dishwasher behind me. And she gave
3: me biscuits, which I'm very happy about. I
2: did. We got some gluten-free custard creams, which is great. <laughs> so I have an initial question, which is totally something we should get into midway through the podcast. But actually, I'm really interested okay. right now you do you help kids with eating disorders or teenagers yeah.
3: or adults, I guess. Yeah. Can you tell me a bit more about that and what your
2: your role is within that yeah, process? Yeah, so
3: it came about... Um, when I was younger, I actually had two friends who suffered from eating disorders. They both decided that they were going to go along the realm of not eating. And we were really, really young. Um, and it affected me quite dramatically because they became really sick and both were then put into care. Um, and subsequently, one of them never came out from that and the other one did, but has then kind of struggled throughout life, Um, picking up basically what we're going to be talking about later, every kind of diet after that. So I knew it was always going to be something I was going to, I guess, gravitate towards, and people have always kind of come to me with eating disorders, and then it was actually being on YouTube that I had a 10-year-old girl message me who was severely overweight, she was from America, and um, she was really struggling with her body image, and she, when you're kind of 10, which we all forget, you don't really have your own money, you can't go to a gym, you depending on where you're living you might not have space to work out um and you're most likely being teased at school which is what she was um and she just mentioned me was like what do I do because I don't want to go to school because I'm overweight and my parents are the same and I just kind of said are you cool to jump on a, a Skype chat and she was and I said can we have your parents in it and it was really just a lack of education going on there also a lack of um this young girl feeling like she could talk to her parents about it and with eating disorders, size actually doesn't really make that much difference. You can have an eating disorder and be a really curvy lady. You can be really tiny. This, the kind of shape doesn't determine the disorder. Um, and so by speaking to her about this, we realized that she had an eating disorder, even though she was on the larger side. So I took on this family, and now I take on four families a month. And we we just kind of do food together. We come up with plans. We have games to try and help it, and just an open forum to chat, which is like my favorite thing to do. Really. I love it so much. And so, is that um,
2: working within another program, or is that kind of you take it upon <laughs> taking it upon yourself? Makes it sound <laughs> like you you invite yourself in. But like, um, yeah, do you kind of do it like as a kind of program you personally? Yeah. Run? So it's
3: when I created, but I also. Um, had some qualifications on it and I spoke to a lot of yeah. pro- healthcare professionals um, and I have a team around me of people who help um, and so it's kind of created a program that seems to be working really really well and just generally yeah it's got a good success rate so that's why it's not saying I generally post online um, it's kind of a passion project and also I, I don't think I could take on everybody so for kind of a month is, is amazing to see the uh, see the change.
2: And are a lot of them young,
3: young people? Yeah so I have decided to work with kind of between eight and 12 at the moment because I think it's such a vulnerable age group it is at any point but I feel like they have less of a voice and less options so and also they're less likely to ask for help but actually for us being online you kind of feel like an online sister or an online mum to some of them which is terrifying when someone says that when someone said I look like Justin Bieber's mum I realized how old they must think I am. <laughs> in fairness, Justin Bieber's mom is, she is stunning. Hot. She's yeah. beautiful. But I was like, no, I want to be Justin Bieber's girlfriend. That's what, what you think I look like. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm kind of sticking with that at the moment just because I work with the other age groups in other areas. So
2: Yeah, totally. And when you were with these kids, or, or well, pre preteen is maybe mm-hmm. a better term because that you're definitely at an age where you're, you're really aware of the world around you yeah. and you're taking in a lot. What do you think just... Off the cuff, obviously this is probably not research. <laughs> is actually influencing these people to feel this kind of a way about their diet and their body.
3: From a really, I mean, I was really lucky. I consider myself to be like the last generation that kind of had a childhood because I was pre-phone. I think I got my first phone at like fourteen, fifteen. The Nokia thirty two ten was a brick. Oh my god! Was I had amazing. Had, had snake. Yes. It was great. Oh. Um, and I was a kid. I made like perfumes out of my dad's rose petals. I was mucky and yeah. I. You know, we had magazines and stuff, but you could very much switch it off. Um, But nowadays, kids have seen everything at such a young age. They're so overexposed to most things. And I wouldn't blame magazines. I don't blame Instagram. I don't blame the internet. I just think we are very, very overexposed to everything. It puts a lot of pressure on us from a very young age, and we start to build our own idea of what we think is perfection. And nowadays, a lot of things come with, you know, we used to look at magazines. I didn't know how many likes that picture had. Now, yeah. you know, you might go and look on a picture page and be like, that girl's beautiful. She's got an amazing curvaceous figure, but it doesn't get as many likes as someone who's wafer thin. And they create their own idea that that is what's th- what's better. Um, so I think it's just overexposure to too much, too young. Yeah, um, and
2: with a numerical value as well.
3: Yeah, you're saying, which is like, weird. It's, it's a for us, you know. Like, I can take a photo and... Um, It could be, I don't know, like a drunk night out or it's a photo that means a lot to me. But you almost don't want to post it sometimes because you're like, that won't get as much love as a photo if I'm, I don't know, Mm. when I had abs or I don't know, something like that. And it changes how you think about things. So, yeah, that's happening from a much younger age. So interesting. And it's so good that there are people out there who are actually tackling it at that age as well
2: because I think we assume a lot of the time, oh, you reach 13 or 14 or 15 and then you develop problems with your body image and eating. Yeah. They no, start so young. much younger.
3: So young. And also it's way younger now. That The kids are so much older from such a younger age, because they've learned so much. You know, like when I was like 12 14 I didn't know that much about the world. I didn't know what every country looked like, and I, I hadn't seen all these beautiful pictures which you're now seeing. They they learn and they know so much more than we ever did. Yeah. Um, you see these like kids that are trying to swipe a TV because they think that's how TVs work now, and you're just like, okay, we've really over we've overeducated them in some areas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I remember seeing
2: one of my cousins, and he was five at the time, just, like, using an iPad better than I could ever use mm-hmm. an iPad. And I was like, wow. Yeah.
3: they like, How fix things go? for you. The other day, yeah. I couldn't get into something, and I was like, I'm locked out. And my friend's, my friend's niece was there, and she was just, like, You're going through. But then the other thing I had was a really odd relationship, totally going off tangent. But I was with one of my friends, and she's got a young daughter. And this guy, as we were walking uh, through the street, she was like, that's my boyfriend. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so exciting. She's only like eight. And I was like, we're going to meet. And he was going to say hello. No, 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 no. The boy walked straight past. She walked straight past. No one spoke to each other. You wouldn't even know they knew each other. <laughs> and then she just went, oh, he texted me and said I look really nice. And I was like, that's the kind of world that we're living in now. That's no, so No interaction, <laughs> no anything. I wouldn't even know they knew each other. But on phone, they are an item. That's so interesting, because I was very much the MSN messenger generation yes. growing up. Oh, yeah. Be yeah. right back. BRB.
2: Yeah. yeah. I, I, that was how I had my first, in inverted commas, like, well, mm-hmm. relationships or whatever you'd define as that. Yeah. Boys, you know, it was really radical. Um, <laughs> but that was still limited to a certain time of day. Like, I could come home, and I had, you know, from I
3: had computer limit times. Yeah. So I could go online until 7.30. And oh, survive. I was even worse than that. I had, we had dial-up. And I remember... Were you on AOL? No, we had Tiscali. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we had that. And then my dad would be like, you've got to come off because someone wants to phone me. And so I remember that I had that whole... You know, if a boy was calling, my dad would be like, someone's on the phone. you could go, dad, I don't want to speak to them. You can't have that anymore. You just... Yes, it's totally different. You can just log on immediately. It's Yeah, it's amazing.
2: Yeah, and I think... Well, I want to know your thoughts on what you think has changed in terms of dieting from... Mm -hmm from let's say i want to say like a parent generation or like when you were like younger and kind of what you absorbed as a child to like now and what people are absorbing now we've kind of covered that instagram and social media is a really big part Mm -hmm. of that
3: yeah but But it's not the only part there's lots of different i'd say you know i grew up definitely with my mum and dad were actually very body positive which is great i didn't realize it was a thing until it was much later when i kind of got to school and realized other girls are really proud of like not eating all day and just having their dinner. Yeah. That was kind of a thing. And I remember I remember when I was kind of growing up and I was around 16, 17, it was very popular to kind of save your calories, I think, was one that I noticed a lot, which was like, oh, if you were with your group of friends, it was kind of cool if you'd been like, oh, no, I haven't eaten since yesterday. That was yeah. such a cool thing it's to my say. calorie count. I know how yeah. many calories
2: are in a banana. Yeah. I, <laughs> many...
3: I remember this being a thing and then everyone yeah, would just yeah. eat sweets all day. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I literally used to work at Face Shoes and uh, I would save, I wouldn't have anything. We'd be out all night. Then we'd get up and I'd have Pick a Mix or Millie's Cookies or yeah. something later on. And I'd be like, oh, that's what I'm going to have. And then save it because you're going to go out drinking with your friends and maybe have cheesy chips later yeah. on. Um, so that was one. And then obviously there was like, you know, your Weight Watchers and all those kind of things, which was generally what our parents were kind of doing, Yeah, I found. Um, so you've got this kind of diet market from a lot, does come from parents. And a lot of the people that come to me now that, have been my clients they've actually grown up with someone in their family who maybe even took them along because they, they didn't have an option yeah. so there's a lot of parents who've done kind of the Weight Watchers thing and then the kid has the same idea about sins and all this stuff, and they're very similar and you watch them both kind of yo-yo throughout um or you kind of have like a parent who was doing that and then a kid grew up with it and hated it and so it's gone the opposite direction yeah. and maybe over exercising or doing something Slightly different, but they're still kind of forming a diet going yeah. on. I'd say what's been the biggest change is that it's not cool to be on a diet, I don't think anymore, as it was cool to be in a diet before. Um, because the thing you used to see, which I think has changed massively with social media online, is that celebrities used to have the back page; they'd share their diet that they were doing, and it, and and people would kind of follow it. Nowadays. There's a lot more honesty. I don't think it's completely honest, but it'll be like, actually, I have a personal trainer. I see them two times a day, yeah. and this is what I'm actually eating. And we've become more, less about diet, more about restricting the ingredients that we have. Yeah. So it's less like, I'm on Weight Watchers more, I'm gluten-free, yeah. or I'm pescatarian, or I'm this kind of I eat flaxseed every morning, and yeah. I have my <laughs> lemon water. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what's changed, because that now sounds cooler. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether that's healthier or not. It means we have, um, I guess, better knowledge because we're starting to look at things. But gluten-free was probably one of the biggest ones. Oh my gosh, that, yeah, I mean, you'll know a lot. I, I still get asked <laughs> if I'm doing it. If yeah, someone say, like, "Is that a, a personal choice? choice?" And I'm <laughs> like, <laughs> "I love bread." <laughs> yeah, no, the amount of people that be like, "Oh, I'm going to have a gluten-free brownie because it's healthier," and I'll be yeah. like, it "Just doesn't work this way." But I'd say that's probably the biggest thing. And then I would actually say that probably Instagram and, and social media did change the way a lot of people felt about healthy eating because for a while there was a lot of like Instagram names with the word healthy eating in um and it became a really big buzzword that I was eating healthy um which is such a broad term because then balance came in and everyone now we hate the word balance because everyone's like (laughs) what even is balance um but it's kind of gone through healthy eating to balance to mindful eating eating, (laughs) to now it is almost trying not to be too much of any of those things because it's bad to be stuck on one. So it's honestly been the funniest progression, but I think we're now almost going back a little bit to people just eating because they are hungry and trying to make sure their plate is colorful and it has a good balance. And we do the little finger thing here of ingredients. People are generally taking notice now of, like, proteins and making sure their plate has enough of those. Um, yeah. But I think it's going to just keep going round and around and around. The funny thing is it always ends up the same.
2: Yeah. No, totally. <laughs> and I was going to say as well, like, you are in this industry where mm-hmm. um, you're in a fitness industry, I guess, in yeah. a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, like, <laughs> online and offline. And so you must see all sorts of people doing all sorts of diets yeah. um, or, or living lifestyles mm-hmm. in all sorts of ways. Yeah. Um, what do you think is like really common now? Like, um, what do you see that's kind of on the unhealthy side of the spectrum Mm -hmm. in your opinion? And what do you see that's the kind of healthy, uh, so if someone was looking to follow fitness accounts, what, what seems to be like a healthier
3: thing? Yeah. So I think the first thing that most people need to think about before they even approach changing or following an account is what you actually want. Because so many of us are just programmed, we can buy everything we want for the next day, you know, Amazon Prime, we can get whatever we like, whereas unfortunately the body and a healthy body isn't something you can get tomorrow without doing some things that maybe aren't actually healthy. So one thing I find a lot of people do in the gym at the moment is people are training and eating as if they're going to go step on stage, like do a bikini competition. Um, And from someone who's in the fitness industry, I have clients who've done bikini competitions they do look incredible by the end, but that is a one-second body. That is a body you can maintain for that moment on stage. Yeah. And then you have to work seriously hard to get yourself back to a healthy body. Where It's not a way to live, but I am getting emails from people all around the world who are training and eating as if they're going to maintain that body frame for the rest of their life. So one thing you have to think about when you think about it, choosing a way to eat or choosing a way to exercise is what do you want to be able to maintain for the rest of your life because no one wants to yo-yo all the time we want to like find our ideal body and then stick with it um and hopefully just get stronger and fitter the whole entire time so I try to say to people like think about where you're going to be when you're like 60 70 what can you bring into your life that you can continue to do so um for me everyone says like how do you stay motivated and it's not really a thing anymore like exercising and the food I eat is the same as sleeping and going to work and driving my car and walking my dog it's not like oh I need to make sure that I go to the gym today because I'm going to eat a brownie that's not how it works I'm going to go to the gym because I love going to the gym I love moving I'm probably going to have a brownie later because it looked really delicious when I walked past the shop (laughs) and I don't feel bad about it because my amount of exercise I'm doing and the food I'm eating it all bounces out to be perfect um so (laughs) oh if that sounded like a fart that was my elbow (laughs) Just so you guys know, because I realized that didn't sound very good. I wore a vinyl skirt the other day and I squeaked on the chair during an interview and I was like, there'll be no way to edit this. Yeah, no, just leave it in. So really like the kind of, I'd say the negative stuff is that people are are trying to aspire to what they're seeing online that people are doing, which is a very short-term goal or a short-term body. Um, And what the the good thing that I'm seeing is people starting to understand with food and with exercise that it's not... um, you don't have to do things you don't like doing. Before, we thought we had to be on the treadmill for like an hour and that we just had to live yeah. on lettuce. No, you don't have to do that at all. If you love dancing, all exercise is is moving. So if you love to dance, go dance salsa lesson. If you um, want to spend more time with your boyfriend, spend more time spooning with your boyfriend. That's moving. Like, it's, all, it's all any way you can to just move your body. That's the most important thing. And with food, it's thinking about a whole entire day and not just that one one snack that you've had it's like across the whole day if I had a good range of different colorful foods that are going to keep me full
2: yeah (gasps) I love it it's so motivating Ah, (laughs) Um, I want to know your thoughts on Mm -hmm. um what it's like when people come to you about training certain body parts to make them bigger obviously we've got this huge thing at the moment with big bums that's a huge thing and obviously you can't spot reduce when you diet or maybe not obviously maybe loads of people don't know that but like I followed loads of fitness accounts Mm -hmm. for a period of time and yeah you can't spot reduce was like a Uh -uh. huge thing With
3: diet, but with exercise, people are always like, "Oh, but can you make my bum really big?" Yeah. Oh my gosh, the bum thing is amazing. I literally, actually, didn't really have a bum when I started, Um, and I do now have a very comfortable bum to sit on. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I think, obviously, I probably went through the. I'm trying to remember now because I had a bum for a little while now. Um, But I probably get 10 to 20 emails a day about how can I get a bigger bum, or this hip dip thing, which is new. Can I have a hip dip? I don't even really like like where you kind of the side kind of goes in like that yeah okay yeah that's a new thing too um the funny thing with the bum thing is you can't spot reduce as in you can't go okay I'm just gonna only train my bum and I want my bum to be the best part of me you could keep doing that but you're gonna get imbalances everywhere else and also probably a lot of problems later on so girls that are just training bum I'm now fixing their back and their core and their thighs and their feet Uh, and their posture yeah. because actually most of us sit down so we're hyperextending all the time and actually it's going to make your bum look even more curved Yeah. but I just need you to bring it in. So there's lots of reasons why not. But in the gym you can kind of focus on a key part of your body if you want to but only for aesthetic reasons. You're not going to end up with a very particularly healthy body or a body that moves in a functional way that's going to help you for your entire life. So what I would always recommend doing is if your prime thought is, okay, I want more of a bum, fine. Just do two sessions that are focused on your bum, but make sure you are doing everything else as well in the rest of the week to kind of balance it out. Um, Mm -hmm. And also, if you're working out properly and doing compound lifts, so compound lifts is where you're using your entire body really for a movement, so like a squat or a deadlift. If you're doing them well, you're using your bum anyway, and naturally you will get good results. So it's kind of thinking about what you want, the time that you have, and also are you putting the rest of your kind of body at a risk by just training one thing? It's it's (laughs) honestly so interesting to hear this because I feel like, yeah, I feel like I had all sorts
2: of influences from the internet specifically mm-hmm. when I was growing up and I was really, really worried about my diet
3: and yeah. my exercise. And then hearing this kind of thing, I'm like, oh, this makes so much sense. <laughs> also remember that online people do generally only share the best parts of themselves. And some people are just really lucky to have an amazing bum. Yeah.
2: Um, I do and- think that as well. <laughs> I always look at them and I'm like, especially with celebrities, if you're following a celebrity for like Fitspo and in Invermic yeah. Commerce, they might just have that naturally or yeah. there might be surgery involved and I yeah. think we forget that.
3: There's a lot. lot of things you can do. There's a lot of angles and lighting and leggings and all oh my there are leggings that can <gasps> hold you in really? and lift you up in ways that you don't even know. Got padded leggings. Yes. Oh my gosh. And I've even seen those, like, padded sports pants sports. for guys now really? which lift and push forward, which is obviously handy for them. It's like wow. a push-up bra for your penis. But um <laughs> <You> got <laughs> penis I got the penis in. Um Sorry, guys. I said, like, was there any words I can't say? She said there wasn't, and I said that might be one of them. Um, but, yeah, so with the bum and stuff, just remember that, you know, everyone's genetics are very different. Some people are more susceptible to build a bum, and also you've got to remember what people do in their daily life. Yeah. If it is someone who is walking around a lot or it's someone who's doing more exercise, their bum's probably going to grow more. If it's someone who's sitting down on it all day, it's probably going to be flatter. So, yeah, you just start... Uh, Think it through. <laughs> <laughs> and what advice
2: would you give to people who are looking for, I say, fit fitspiration or fitspiration. Mm-hmm. That was a massive buzzword in like 2013, 2014. Yeah. And I remember being so, like following all these people, realising it was really damaging to my health. But there obviously are so many benefits to following people who are also yeah. on a fitness journey. Do you have any advice for people who are looking to healthily follow fitspo or yeah di- or I, eating food accounts I mean I kind of think it's the ones. same with
3: any even like with fashion and I think it's the same with all of them really is one if it's down to you following an account I think before you even think about what you're learning from this account you have to think about how an account is making you feel I regularly tell my followers to unfollow and if they unfollow me that's fine it's not like a negative thing it's just for a lot of us an image or the way someone portrays themselves can make you feel negatively about yourself and it doesn't mean that person's bad it just means you're not ready to follow them so whatever the account is if it gives you any negative feeling about yourself I would always recommend unfollowing even if it is the most the sweetest person who's posting out really lovely tips I still think you should unfollow yeah but when you it can comes, be as nice as you want yeah, in your yeah. in your
2: captions yeah. but
3: ultimately if that body's making you feel bad you can't help if you just yeah. trigger someone and that happens to a lot of people so I'd say unfollow you might end up going back to them in like months later and feeling yeah. good and that's really nice um but the other thing is if you want to follow like a plan or um so I'd say if you're finding someone who you want to learn exercises from personally I always recommend trying to find someone who is qualified i mean not everyone's going to write that on their instagram account but just for the purpose of getting right form especially if you're doing weights you can really damage yourself in that kind of thing um there are so many super sexy people out there who have incredible bodies and i'm sure their knowledge base is just as high but i feel like if you were someone who is very interested in the fitness industry and you had a high following you would care enough to just do that qualification to back yourself up yeah just think it's really important because you don't know if you're giving the wrong information and even if they just say something like oh i'm an instructor that means they've got they've got some kind of qualification right yeah because you can really hurt yourself um, doing some things and the same for nutrition there's loads of amazing food accounts out there um but i would always say if you're trying to learn about food and what's going to be good for you i'd try and follow a nutritionist who's going to give you and there's loads out there who can give you some real tips and then explore some other ones um And then the only other thing I think is if you're trying to follow a plan, again, try and follow a plan from someone who has a qualification. Or at least they've collaborated with a PT. It's got some kind of insurance, health and safety in there. Not health and safety gone mad, but just to make sure you are safe in what you're doing and you're not going to end up hurting yourself.
2: Definitely. Just before we were recording the podcast, we were chatting about... Mm -hmm. um, uh, I don't even remember if this was in the podcast, but you mentioned, and I think this is really important to reiterate, like there is no unanimously agreed nutritionist yeah. guide to how to eat everybody is different,
3: yeah, it's so we totally. We forget how unique we all are. You, There is not one other person out there that's like you. We don't think the same. We don't have the same daily habits. We don't. That, there's just no way that there is one plan out there that is going to fit every single person. Yeah. So the idea really is to kind of find things you enjoy. If you can enjoy what you're eating and you can enjoy how you're moving, that is the biggest key to success because you're going to stick with it. If you're hating the foods you're having to eat, and going to the gym or doing this exercise regi- regime is making you unhappy or taking up any free time that you have. It's probably not the right one for you. So just explore, find people, take bits, learn bits, and then create your own something because you will never be the same as anybody else. And that's the most important thing to remember. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Thanks so much, Carly. <laughs> this has been so, so interesting. No yeah, Loved it. So basically, if you're like, oh, I need to eat three bananas a day to, oh God, to yeah. live your life <laughs> <laughs> and this person lost so much weight when they did <laughs> just try all the things that might suit you yeah I think that's like a nice conclusion definitely yay loved it thanks you can find Carly on forward slash Carly Rowena yeah yeah type everywhere
3: type in Carly Rowena and it will come up you and can find me Carly also has uh, fitness plans right and yeah. do you do meal plans as well I don't do meal plans but there's kind of guidance and food shopping because I just again there is not one meal plan for each person I don't want you to tell you to live on 2000 calories or 1000 calories so it's a guidance to how to work out what works for
1: you Carly is just a super genuine person and I absolutely loved sitting down with her for a chat you would never know she's seven months pregnant I think she might be eight months now like how unreal is that and yet she's still working out every day she's honestly a powerhouse Obviously, each to their own on how they exercise and how they approach it. I personally don't exercise at all. My gym membership is very much buried <laughs> firmly in my bank account. So thank you so much for listening. Let me know your thoughts on diet culture and how it's manifested in 2018 on Twitter using the hashtag The Sunday Social or on Instagram at The Podcast. <clears throat> I have great news. We are now available on Spotify. Life is sweet. I am so happy about this. So if you're listening on Spotify, go over to the Instagram, go and tweet. Let me know your thoughts as well and leave a review on your favourite podcasting site. I don't know if you can review on Spotify or not, but if you can, please leave a review. And again, thank you so much for listening. I will see you next week with another episode.